This is recording number 10935 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, July 24, 2011. This is the 17th message in the series titled, Doctor's Gospel, by Randy Bolt. This message is titled, Leaven of the Pharisees. We're going to continue our study called the Doctor's Gospel. We're going to begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 12 today. Now, before I start reading, let me tell you what's just come before because we aren't reading that. But beginning at verse 37 of chapter 11, Jesus addresses the scribes and the Pharisees. First the Pharisees and then the scribes. These were religious uh, Groups, Jewish religious groups, uh, they were leaders, they were, uh, I, won't, I won't give you the whole pedigree, but they were uh, very prominent individuals within the Hebrew faith. And uh, Jesus really reams them out. He says, woe to you. And he, and he really takes them to task for saying one thing and, and doing another. And so it's with that background that he begins to speak to the multitudes in verse 1 of chapter 12. I mean, this is not a pleasant passage of Scripture to, to read. Not because Jesus is mad, not because he's angry, not because he's intentionally wanting to make them uncomfortable, but because he needs to address the same thing that wants to take root in every one of us. I've said this before and a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also true, really, that there's a little Pharisee inside of each one of us that wants to come out, always wanting to make its way to the surface. And Jesus is going after that. So he's got this crowd there, an innumerable number of people gathered together so that they trampled one another. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. On the screen here is a a microscopic view of leaven. Leaven is yeast. It is a single cell, uh, actually fungus, (laughs) that is, is, there's a lot of uses for it, but one of the, that's most common, one of the ones that's most common that you might be be able to relate to is when people are making bread, they put some yeast or leaven into the dough so that it will rise. What happens is these, this, uh, these one-cell creatures begin to multiply, and the process of their life uh, gives off. I mean, the, their life cycle ends up giving off uh, carbon dioxide, CO2, that creates sort of a bubble in the dough. And that's what causes the the dough to rise. The baking process kills off the yeast. And then what you have left, rather than something hard and compressed, you have something fluffy and light. So that's why they use it in in making bread. The point is, he's talking about something that permeates people's lives. It doesn't take very much. In fact, Jesus, or the Bible, says that makes this statement. 
a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It doesn't take much. And it then begins to permeate every part of the dough so that the, the, the uh, loaf rises. And Jesus is warning now, having gone after the scribes and Pharisees for their duplicity. They're saying one thing and doing another. Now he turns to this throng, this crowd of people and his closest followers, the disciples. And he says to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then he goes on and tells us exactly what it is, which is hypocrisy, hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Have you figured this out? In fact, I was listening to the news yesterday. This guy who 30 years ago, maybe you saw this or heard this. This guy 30 years ago uh, was pronounced dead. Uh, They found him alive in Las Vegas. He had left his family, and everybody had, you know, written him off 30, let me give that again, 30 years ago. Be sure your sins will find you out. I mean, there isn't anything. Jesus said it. There's nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Rupert Murdoch and his uh, organization thought that the stuff they were carrying on uh, behind the scenes would not be found out. They were wrong. And it's bringing down a, a multinational corporation and causing all sorts of havoc, havoc in government and law enforcement. And therefore, therefore, verse 3 says, Whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, I'm not here today to point fingers. I'm, I'm here, well, you know that old saying, if you, if you point a finger at somebody, there's at least three pointing back at you. That's really what the point of this, this thing is today. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like there's two of me. I can't remember, and so please forgive me if you're sitting here, uh, because I just frankly don't remember. But uh, within the last couple of weeks, I was, um, I believe it was a, uh, you know, a store of some sorts, uh, just trying to uh, take care of some business, and uh, met someone from the congregation there, just ran into him on the street. And the reason I don't remember who it was... Uh, was because as soon as we parted company, I had this thought process go through my mind. You know, what did they see before I actually recognized them? What was on my face? What was I doing? Did I represent Jesus well, or do I have something to repent of? Because... And I, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that I, 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 I probably was just a little, uh, you know how it is when you're, you're out running errands and stuff. You get a little, maybe no one else does this. Maybe it's just me. But I get a little focus, a little tunnel vision kind of thing. Uh, but I think, and so I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that that's all it was and that I was in good shape. But the fact that I had to ask the question, it took me probably 15, 20 minutes just praying to God 
to sort all that out. I don't want to be a two-faced person. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I want what's in me to be on me. I want when people see my, into my eyes, they see the bottom of my feet. I don't want there to be any subterfuge. I don't want there to be anything different about how I treat people than what I think about them. And I'll be the first to admit to you, though, that that's, you know, sometimes it's a little iffy. I remember one time, and, and I could probably, if I, if I was or if I was honest enough, I could probably find an illustration that's more recent. But I remember a time, probably, I don't know, 25 years ago, very distinctly, I was sitting in my office at the church. And I could, from my office, I could see the, the parking lot. And I saw somebody drive into the parking lot. This was during the week. I saw somebody drive into the parking lot. And I remember going like this, oh, no. I got to talk to that person. And then they come in the office and it's like, hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. Ah, I hate that about me. I don't want to be two people. And Jesus says that if we're not careful, that hypocrisy will be like leaven that pervades everything about our lives. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to be someone who honors Jesus on the inside and out. I want, you know, if you put cameras in my house, please don't, but if you put cameras in my house and then reviewed the tapes, that there would be nothing there. Nothing there that would be inconsistent with my testimony. So, Jesus goes to the heart of the matter, I think. And he talks about how hypocrisy really is the result of two things. Fears and desires. And he addresses them in that order. First, the fears. Verse 4, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. You know, sometimes we are, we are um, hip hypocrites because we're afraid of what people will think of us. Inside, I love Jesus. I'm completely devoted to him. But sometimes we don't let that be on the exterior or in our people-facing uh, exchanges because we're afraid of what they'll think. Will they think I'm weird? Will they think I'm nuts? Will they think I'm one of those holy rollers? Uh, what will they think? Jesus says, look, dear ones, don't, What's the worst they can do to you? That's what verse 4 is saying. What's the worst they can do, do to you? They could kill you. Woohoo! If we believe in Jesus and we know him as our Savior, all that does is escort me into eternity, into the presence of the Lord. Like, that would be a bad thing. Jesus says, what's the worst they can do to you? But I will show you whom you should fear. Now, pay attention here. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. And really what he was saying is, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two copper uh, coins? And really the going rate was two for one. So if you bought, 
If you bought uh, four, you got a fifth one thrown in. That's how cheap they were. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them, not one of them, is forgotten before God. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more of more value than many sparrows. In other words, all of this to say, we have a God who is the ultimate power. He is the one who can cast our adversary into the pit of hell. That's how powerful he is. So do not be afraid of those uh, of people, what they might think, how they might react to your testimony. There's nothing to fear there. Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will confess before the angels of God. The Son of Man is Jesus. He's referring to himself. And he, he says, I say to you, whoever confesses me, when, in other words, when you go on record, publicly as being my follower I'm, I'm doing the same in the heavenly realms for you I'm confessing you that's mine he's mine she's mine but he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God I don't know about you but I have had this experience where uh, you know you just it seems like especially at work I remember one time this, this, uh, I was doing a, an interview for the company I was working for. I was, I was pastoring a church, pioneering a church, but also uh, working for a technology company. And I was doing an interview for a prospective uh, employee. And so uh, we were in this little conference room, and the interview was getting done. And this woman says to me, she says, can I ask you a personal question? And I... I had to think about that. And my first thought was, whoa, who's watching? I bet they got cameras everywhere here. What is she going to ask me? I made sure the door was open. I made sure the blinds were open. And then I said, well, sure. <laughs> Go ahead. And so she wanted to know. She says, I hear you're a pastor person, preacher person. Now, what do I say? You know, there's so many ways to phrase things, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I, I went for the, you know, just the straight up uh, answer. And I said, yes, that's, that's true. Anyway, I won't go on with the story. But just the fact that I was nervous about responding to that question. You know, you go, all these things go through your mind. What are they going to think? Is my job going to be in jeopardy? Uh, I know Chris Amitrano was, is applying for a job. Our youth pastor is applying for a job, and he had his interview this week, and he told me afterwards that they, they were asking him in the interview, so what are your long-range goals? <sighs> what do you say? He said, I, I, I just told him straight up, he said, my long-range goal is to live for and serve Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, but that's, you have to make a choice right there. What are they going to think of me? How is this going to come across? And Jesus is saying, look, just confess me before men. And I don't, I'm not an advocate of you, you know, shining up your soapbox and getting out on a street corner and, you know, shouting at passerbys, turn or burn. I'm not asking for that or uh, I, I don't. Please don't do that unless the Lord really tells you to. Let's just be ones who choose not to be two-faced about our faith. 
to believe one thing inside and behave as though we don't believe that on the outside. The other thing that causes us to sometimes be hypocritical is desires. Uh, verse 13. So Jesus is, this is so funny. Jesus is talking about all this. And then in verse 13, this guy, then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's like, what? Where did you come from? Haven't you been listening to anything that's been going on? I mean, it's just such an out-of-place thing. And Jesus says, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And then he says this, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness. That's wanting something you don't have. Something God isn't giving you. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses desires. Sometimes the desires are what I want that I don't have. Any of you ever? No, don't raise your hand. I'll tell you. I'll raise my hand. How's that? I want one of those. I'm pointing to an iPad. I want one of those. But God isn't giving it to me yet. I'm a little ticked off about that, but... You ever had that? You want something God is not giving you. Listen, I have a pastor that's under my care. Most of you know that I I supervise a number of uh, churches. And I have a pastor under my care who wants more than God is giving him in terms of influence, in terms of the size of his church and congregation. And uh, it creates a very strange dynamic in his life. Covetousness is a, is a nasty thing, and it will lead to hypocrisy. It will create something, a set of desires internally that don't match, and, and externally too, that don't match our confession. They don't match our faith. We begin to be focused on things or on circumstantial, outward things, and not not God. So he says, uh, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then, verse 16, he spoke a parable, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no more room to store my crops? So this is his, this is his big question. I have so much stuff. What can I do with it all? <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to, I hope to have that uh, be a question I can ask. But anyway, not yet. So he said, well, I will do this. Verse 18. I will pull down my barns and build greater. In other words, my storehouse, I think of my father-in-law. He and I built this garage when I was dating Sue this this two-car garage in his backyard, you would laugh. I mean, we built this huge garage, and you can't even get to it. There's no driveway to it. All it is is full of his stuff. And when I, mean, when I say full, I mean full. I, I, I got to make sure my father-in-law doesn't hear this message. But I love him, but he's a hoarder. And this guy says, I know what I'll do. 
I'll tear down my garage and build a bigger one. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And it would be funny, except that it's tragic because so many of us live this way. It's like we think if we can get enough stuff, then we can be happy. We can eat, drink, and be merry. And someday there will be enough in our bank account, enough in our retirement account, enough in the cupboards, enough in the garage that we'll be happy. That day will never come. This is not how you get there. Verse 20, but God said to him, this is a story, remember, it's a parable that Jesus is telling, and God says to this guy, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? There's a story, and I've researched it all I can to try to find out if it's really true or not. But it's often told, and I can't verify that it's actually true, but it's worth retelling. This is the story. This guy named John D. Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men in the history of the United States, uh, shortly after, or actually at his funeral, was asked by a stranger, uh, or, or not, he wasn't asked, he's gone, right? His, his accountant was asked by a stranger attending the funeral, how much did he leave? How many dollars did he leave? And according to the story, the, the accountant turned to him and said, well, he left it all. And Jesus said, you're a fool if you begin to live out of... I mean, you have... A faith in the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. At least that's what you claim. But when you start to live differently, you really, aren't you kind of two people? Aren't you in that hypocrisy place where you, your focus, your life's attention is on things other than the one you say you love and the, say, the one you say you trust in? Verse 22, then he said to his disciples, so there's what I want and I need to back up. And then there's, there's hypocrisy around the things that I have. And then finally, there's what I think I need. Verse 22, then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Verse 25, and which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you so anxious about the rest? Verse um, 29. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. And Jesus is talking about getting your heart and your treasure on the same page. And I'm not really sure because, especially, I mean, I am sure. that if you take these verses and you add it to the whole counsel of the Bible, Jesus isn't advocating that we just all go out and sell everything that we have. But he is saying, get your hands loosed from that stuff. Loosen your grip on that stuff because then it will, have a, it will not hold you. The stuff will not hold you. And he says this amazing thing. He says, give alms. That means give contributions. And what you'll be doing is you'll be trading in that stuff for treasure that doesn't wear out. Money bags that don't have holes in them. It's amazing. Get your heart and your treasure on the same page. Because if not, you're going to be susceptible to hypocrisy. Having uh, a dual personality. Living one foot in this world and one foot in the kingdom. And he makes uh, three statements here that I think is very important. He says about this stuff, what I think I need. He says it's three things. What I think I need is three things. First, satisfaction. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. You know, there's, we all have desires. We all have things that we um, drives, things that we want to see fulfilled. Uh, Jesus said, don't worry about those things. He said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So part of what I think I need is, is satisfaction. And then he said, don't worry about what you're going to put on your body. And, and that goes to the issue of security. A lot of us think we need to find or manufacture or create or establish some form of security, something to wrap ourselves in. He said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about uh, satisfaction. Don't worry about security. And then he said, which one of you can add one cubit? That's a standard of measure, about 18 inches, about the length from your tip of your fingers to your elbow. He said, how many of you can add that much uh, to your height? None of you. Just by worrying about it, you can't do it. He says, so stop worrying about trying to gain significance. That's the other thing we think we need, is that we get our head above the rest, that we kind of, you know, are noticed, that we have some meaning in this world. Jesus said, don't worry about your satisfaction. Don't worry about your security. And don't worry about your significance. Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Now, verse 35. I'll start to wrap this up. Hypocrisy, Jesus said, is like leaven. It will permeate every part of your life and ruin you. Don't let it happen. Don't worry about, don't be afraid. And don't let desires for, for this world and its stuff take over because it will cause you to be two-faced. It will cause you to be two people. Verse 35, instead, now he offers an alternative. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. I need, I, oh, I want to come back to that. But let me go on and read verse 41. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? In other words, he wants to know, is this just for, you know, is this just for us? He's singling us out, talking about the 12, the disciples. Or is this for everybody? 
And then Jesus, like he often does, answers the question with a question. And he says, uh, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them portion, their portion of food in due season? Excuse me, in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so doing when he comes. All right, here's the deal. This whole thing about hypocrisy, Jesus comes down to this. He says, rather than, instead of being afraid of what others think or focusing on what we want, what we have, or what we think we need, let's gird our waists light our lamps, and live what we believe. That's what Jesus said. He used another parable, and he says, instead of all that, let's gird our waist. What that means is gather up all your loose-fitting garments, shove it down into your belt so that you're able to move around and do some stuff. Get your lamps lit. Be ready, because the master who has gone for a while is coming back, and he's coming back at a time when you, you don't know. He says, if that master comes back and finds you ready and waiting and doing the thing he left you to do, this amazing thing happens. Listen to this. Gosh, this is just verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. This great awesome God of ours. Can you imagine? When we serve him without hypocrisy, when we are not two-faced, when we don't let fears or desires overtake us, and we simply live what we believe, it says our master will take on the form of service, servant of a servant and serve us. That is just... I, I, I don't even want to imagine it because it's just too, too much. It's like, it's like Peter, when Jesus came to, sur- to wash his feet, and Peter said, no way. No way, you can't. You can't I, I, I should wash your feet. This image of, of uh, you know, gathering up your loose garments into your belt lighting your lamp. You know, we have a term for, for kind of getting serious about not letting our hearts run away with us in terms of material things. Don't we call it tightening our belts? Jesus said, tighten your belt. Light your lamp. When you're in, a, when you're in a, an interview for a job and they ask you, what's your long-range goals? Light your lamp. Light your lamp. I intend to live for Jesus and serve him for the rest of my life. Tighten your belt, light your lamp. Let's live what we believe. Verse 54 of this passage says, Then he he said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it is. 
And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and there it is. Have you noticed that it's almost impossible not to try to uh, anticipate the future? We're always doing it. Oh, it looks like rain today. Now, I bet if I do this, that's going to happen. We, we, we just, it's instinctive. As human beings, we're always trying to anticipate what's going to happen next. Right? So, verse 56. Hypocrites. Jesus says. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Right now. This is the moment we need to deal with our hypocrisy. In.